is the week that was with Joe Palmasano. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to 2019, where we ask the burning question, how many times have you written 2018 on a check or other document so far this year? It is my hope that you made it through New Year's Eve unscathed. This marks maybe the 10th year that I have uh, I have not made it until midnight. Sorry. It's, it's not a big deal to me. Watching a ball drop and listening to crazy people, I, 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 I really think the coverage and network coverages are terrible. Did you see how bad it was this year for NBC? I heard. Yeah. I didn't see it, but I heard. We just happened to flip it on, and I looked over, and there's no countdown clock. They're not showing the ball. It's just a cloud of smoke. That's crazy. It's like, what happened to Guy Lombardo? You don't even know who that is, do you? The name sounds familiar. <laughs> I you're think thinking, it was before my time. you Vince Lombardi. No, no. I, I remember... <laughs> A guy named Guy Lombardo. Well, Guy Lombardo was people actually dressed up and went out and actually danced. And uh, anyway, I don't make resolutions. I don't want to change anything. I do not like the programming that networks have on New Year's Eve. And I get tired. I get tired. I go to sleep. But alas, it is 2019, and we keep moving forward. You know, there are a few lines that I used to use as a coach that I heard in coaching for 18 years when I was a college coach. One is, and these pertain to life. Think about this. One was, stay low and keep your feet moving. Now think about that. Just think about that for a minute. Stay low and keep your feet moving. It's so important in football, but it's part of life too stay low and keep your feet moving the second thing we always said I always said you either get better or worse you never stay the same and the minute you think that you are staying the same you are getting worse you have stepped backwards you either get better or worse You never stay the same. You must always push forward. Think about those two things. Those are things from coaching, but they're so important in life. So we move forward, but let's look back at what occurred on January 5th in history. The first one, the first one that I found was shocking to me. Maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I'm naive. But it was shocking and also unknown to me until I looked it up yesterday. Did you know in 1804, on this date, Ohio, the Ohio legislature passed its first laws restricting the movement of freed blacks in Ohio in 1804? Pass laws restricting the movement of free black people. 
I, I'm, I was shocked by that. Maybe I shouldn't be. In 1861, on this date, 250 federal troops were sent from New York to Fort Sumter. And we know what happened later on that year in April. That's when Fort Sumter was attacked. That's when the Civil War began. And in 1914, Ford Motor Company, they jumped their wages from $2.40, not per hour, folks, $2.40 for a nine-hour day to $5 for an eight-hour day. Wow. I mean, that's a pretty significant jump, but not much. Did you know, as we get into our subjects for today, did you know with all the medical discoveries and the new technology, the labeled foods, etc., life expectancy in the United States declined again in 2017? In fact, it is the longest sustained decline since the years 1915 and 1918. Can you believe that? That is shocking to people. The four-year period from 1915 to 1918 included World War I and a flu pandemic that killed 675,000 people in the United States and 50 million people worldwide. So we are on a life expectancy decline that hasn't been seen since that time. Much of this is due to the escalating drug and suicide crisis. And who is the most susceptible? The answer is men. The death rate of white males is 38% higher than females. The death rate of African American males is 49% higher than females, and the difference between Hispanic males to females is 46%. Why men? According to uh, award-winning author and researcher, Dr. Warren Farrell, the answer lies much deeper than a simple answer. You know, on this show, I have told told you many times that I don't bring guests on this show unless I read the book. I usually read the book first and then try and find the author, and I read this book, and it is eye-opening. It's incredible. Dr. Farrell has written books in 17 languages. He has been chosen by many magazines, including the Financial Times, as one of the world's top 100 thought leaders. He's currently on the chair of a commission to create a White House Council on Boys and Men. Now, the reason he did that is he was asked by President Obama to be part of the White House Council on Women and Girls. And he saw more of a crisis now in the men area and started a commission to start a White House Council on Boys and Men. Because there's, there's a societal sh- kind of a shrug of the shoulders on the problems that are, that are affecting men today. He has been elected three times to the board of the National Organization of Women now, 
Dr. Farrell has started more, more than 300 men's and women's groups, including those joined by John Lennon and others. He has appeared frequently on Oprah Today, Good Morning America, has been featured in 2020, Forbes Magazine, and so much more. He wrote a new book that I read, that I loved, that answers the questions, why men, and what we can do about it. It's titled, The Boy Crisis. Why are boys struggling and what we can do about it? If you have a son, grandson, whatever, this is a very interesting topic and a very relevant topic to what's going on in our world today. And we're very fortunate to get Dr. Farrell, Dr. Warren Farrell here. He's going to be on the show with me live from the West Coast at 10 a.m. to discuss his book, uh, and to discuss uh, all of his research in this. I, um, before we do that, I have stories that I would like to discuss with you on bowl games, Browns recaps, the new Congress, a doctor in the Cleveland Clinic being dismissed, and why? This is fascinating. Predictions that didn't happen in 2018 and predictions that will happen in 2019, and a small tribute to a young man. I call him young still. Uh, here in Stark County. As always, we're going to have our trifecta contest for a pair of tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters. And who knows what else. I'm joined in studio today by Sean Gilbert, producing the show, and uh, J. David Russ with News and Sports. Or, uh, Sean will be bringing you sports. So relax, sit back, join us, hopefully enjoy. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the week that was. Happy New Year again. Hope it's a great one for you all. I really do. I hope that we uh, find a way to come together in 2019 and start looking at people differently. Um, I, I, you know, I was telling Sean, if you're... You know, I know a lot of people as they start, my mom, you know, my dad did it before he passed away and other people, you know, they play crossword puzzles, they do all this stuff. If you're wanting to keep your brain active, there isn't a better game in the world for you than chess. Learn chess. I play, I get up in the morning, and I know it drives my wife crazy, it drives everybody crazy, but I get up in the morning, and every morning, I play four or five games of chess, 10-minute games, and I play online, and I play with people all over the world. I mean, all over the world. And you just hit it, and boom, all of a sudden, somebody comes up, and you're playing a 10-minute chess game. In a 10-minute chess game, you got to act quickly. you got to think, in, in chess, you got to think like three, four moves ahead. If you don't concentrate, you're going to get slammed because there's things coming from all directions. And you completely forget everything else in the world. You zone into the game. So not only is it 
uh, a mind exercise, but it's actually relaxation to get your mind off all the things in the world in the morning. Uh, when you have all the things going on in your head when you wake up, I've got to do this, I've got this meeting, I've got this call, I've got this, for about 45 minutes, all you do is focus on what you've, what's going on on the board. It's a great game. It's the most, I, I don't know who invented this, and I've got to look someday and figure it, and, but, but it is the most ingenious game that was ever invented is chess. And there are times like this morning, I think I won like five games in a row. And it was almost like I was making moves. It was, I told my wife, I said, I think I'm channeling Boris Spatsky. I'm serious. I was making moves that I would go, wow, I just did that? And it's like my brain, my fingers were working, had their own brain going on. And I wasn't, I was just in a zone. Um... But I recommend that for for any of you out there who are looking for just a place to kind of get away, a game to take you away. It does it better than crossword or anything, because you have to you have to literally focus and see what's going on and stare and find out what his move's going to be and think ahead. Two or three moves. It's an unbelievable game. I, I I absolutely love it, and I just uh, I, I just wanted to uh, to talk to you about that. Kind of recommend it. Being a coach, you had yes. to do the same thing. Yes, you know, and you had to think, okay, yes. if, if we're going to run this, they might run that, or yes. if they run that, then this is what we're going to go. Yeah, or we're going to set this play up. We're going to run this, and then we're going to run another play off of it. Yeah, I think that's probably part of it for me too. But I, I would recommend learning chess to everyone because it is just I don't think there's another game like it uh, it's a it's an amazing game I'm not here to to uh, I don't sponsor anything but that's it I you know I was listening to uh, J. David Russ's and this kind of hit me you know there's things that trigger me I love that word nowadays but there's things that trigger me that come up on the news and everything and J. David was talking about um you're not going to get your tax refunds on time because of shutdown. I bet you I get my bill on time. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I was thinking that. I was going, okay, maybe they won't send my bill till maybe July. <laughs> yeah, but you'll still get it. <laughs> yeah, but the bottom line is yeah. I know I'll get it yep. before July. Well, yesterday during a newscast uh, in the afternoon with Matt, the, there was a story about I think I don't know what congressman was. He's like, he's like, I'm not getting a paycheck either. I'm not in a. And Gary and I started joking, and it was like, well, the lobbyists are paying you enough. You don't need yeah. that paycheck. <laughs> well, I don't know who's not getting it. Right, uh, Congress is getting paid. Right. Um, that that was a fact that they were they were still getting paid. They're still getting paid. Um, other other people are still getting paid. I mean, but you know, it's interesting because. Um, even with the government shutdown, and I've got a, I was looking at headlines from yesterday, and this is this is interesting for you. I don't know, maybe maybe it's not. Uh, jobs in December, even with the government shutdown, jumped three hundred and twelve thousand. They were predicting one hundred twenty thousand. It jumped three hundred twelve thousand. Wow. 
There's a record number of people working right now. Record in the history of our country. Manufacturing jobs are the best in 20 years. Hispanic unemployment is the lowest ever. So, I mean, you're looking at these numbers and you're saying, okay, even with the government shutdown, something's working. The economy is growing. Jobs are being put out there. And and manufacturers are actually saying that they have to now go out and recruit people because there is still a lot of jobs open that they're trying to recruit to. So, I mean, I look at this, I look at the government shutdown. Government's bloated anyway, but I don't want to see anybody out of work. And that's that's a, you know, you don't want to see any government employees out of work. But maybe we should step back and say, what is going on with government, too? How bloated is it that we're still functioning and there's 800,000 government workers out of work? Hmm. Maybe we could cut back a little bit. Anyway, the week that was will return after the news and the sports. Stay tuned. And now, back to The Week That Was with Joe Palmisano on News Talk 1480 WHBC. You know that I love you. I can't help myself. But it's time for the contest answers. Here we go. This is, this is the trifecta. You're going to win... Uh, if you if you are correct, and if you get, we happen to choose you, you will win a pair of tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters at the Canton Civic Center on January 31st. So, this is a Harlem Globetrotter-themed trifecta trivia contest. The first answer for today is Chicago. Chicago, that toddling town, I think that's a word. The uh, second answer is Wilt Chamberlain. So Chicago, Wilt Chamberlain. And the third answer is Meadowlark Lemon. Meadowlark Lemon. Those are your three answers for today. New York City, or not New York City. <laughs> what a goob. <laughs> Chicago, Wilt Chamberlain, Metal Luck Lemon. Chicago, Wilt Chamberlain, Metal Luck Lemon. Later on in the show, I'll give you the questions. If you can match them up, you will win a pair of tickets to see the Harlem Globetrotters at the Canton Civic Center on January 31st. I remember the first time I my dad took me to the Harlem Globetrotters. They still had Curly Neal. They still had Metal Like Lemon. Shoot, Abe Saperstein was probably still alive, the, the founder of the Harlem Globetrotters. Um, and they had short shorts still. Back when they, before they had the long shorts. Larry Bird shorts kind of thing. Sean, I, I wanted to ask you this. You, you told me during break, and I found this story really interesting, and this is something that I would expect you and I would expect John Bazika to do. These right. are the kind of things John comes up with in his brain. 
Um, but you put together, you kind of extrapolated out if if Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield would have started at the beginning of the year with uh, Freddie Kitchens being the offensive coordinator. Yes. And it's really interesting what you guys came up with. Well, if you go to profootballreference.com, you can highlight their games, and then it averages... Like You can highlight three games, and it averages over 16 games. Mm-hmm. So we just highlighted the games. You know, John Bazika and I were doing this yesterday, but we just highlighted the games that Freddie Kitchens was the offensive coordinator. So basically, Kansas City to the end of the season. Okay, so you did, what, eight games? Right, because we're trying to look at... You know, the, the biggest thing right now is really there's two guys that should be talked about for Rookie of the Year, Saquon Barkley and Baker Mayfield. Yes. I think it goes to Baker for numerous reasons. I agree. Um, and I actually heard today uh, on the NFL Network a gentleman who is voting, actually has a vote in that, saying he would vote for Baker Mayfield. There's a lot. And then Philip Lindsay's kind of that dark horse because he's an undrafted free agent. He made it to the Pro or Yeah, and made it to the Pro Bowl. Rookie, first ever to do that so there's that because he exceeded expectations and my thing is so did baker baker number one overall no one's ever thrown as many touchdowns as him as a rookie and he did it in 13 games right he didn't do it in 16 he did in 13 so we went back and we looked at some of these things nick chubb had he played all 16 games with freddie kitchens would have had as many yards rushing and as many touchdowns as what Saquon Barkley did. Wow. And and Baker would have had over 4,500 yards passing and 38 touchdowns. Wow. So you get those Freddie Kitchen games, and you put them over 16 games. and I mean, They would have had record-breaking years. Uh, untouchable. That mm-hmm. would have been untouchable. Yeah. Um, well, for I mean, here he has it by a touchdown. And, but. and let's get this. All you did was you you took the average of where they were for eight games under Freddie Kitchens, mm-hmm. and and let's say Greg Williams because he allowed this to happen right. as the head coach. Uh, you took the average and you put those into the last uh, the games that. Well, how many was that? You did eight games probably, right, or ten. Uh, it's eight. Eight Cause, games. Yeah, because Kansas City. Okay, yeah. so you yep. took eight and you extrapolated that out for all the average, yep. put it into the other eight, and that's where they would have been. I, I I think that is astounding. And when you told me that, I was like, you know, you 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 always think that. You think, wow, where would this team have been? And they might have been, at likely would have been at ten wins. Right. And in the playoffs. Well, again, it's and this is a testament to Freddie Kitchens. You know, I know Greg Williams got the attitude going like, "Look, we're the underdogs. You got to go out and do this." He let him have fun. They let him play. But Freddie Kitchens, he took the talent he had and based his offense on what they could do. He didn't try to fit them into another offense. Bingo. And and, and now, when we come back. That will be my reason, because the guy I want to be the head coach is Josh McDaniels. I think it's a perfect fit. Uh, Northeast Ohio, connections here, kid, you know, local guy coming home, 
great coach, probably one of the best offensive minds that that we have seen in the NFL in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, good person, the whole thing. I mean, Josh McDaniels would be the perfect fit. But I'm going to tell you why I don't think he is getting the interest that he should be getting. And we'll go do that when we come back. Don't sit this one out. Here's Joe Palmisano on News Talk 1480 WHBC. When I have a chance before we get into uh, what I was talking about before the break, I want to remind you at 10 o'clock, Dr. Warren Farrell, who is uh, an expert, probably one of the premier experts in the world on on gender issues, male and female, uh, has written a book, uh, The Boy Crisis, and um, it it is, if you have a son... um, or whatever. You, this is something you really want to listen to. I, it's, it's. Uh, hopefully, it's going to be a great interview. It's going to be live at ten. But the book is phenomenal, and he opens up. A, it really opened up my eyes to a lot of things. I um, I, when before we went to break, I said, Josh McDaniels, to me, is the premier choice for the Cleveland Browns for many, many reasons. Many reasons. He's been under Bill Belichick. He's been under a great regime. He's probably one of the brightest offensive minds that that has been around for years, maybe 20 years in the NFL. Um, Local person, good person, good family. You know, those whole things, all those things go into it. Here's the reason why I don't think, and I think there's probably interest going on behind the scenes. But here's what I think is happening. Freddie Kitchens was denied, teams were denied talking to him. There were many requests for, for interviews for Freddie Kitchens for OC. Those, those requests were all denied by the Browns. If he was somebody who was expendable, I believe John Dorsey and the group at the Browns wouldn't be that unethical or that cold to say, go ahead and do it. You're not in the mix. If you bring in a Josh McDaniels, Freddie Kitchens is expendable. I believe what happens in this whole thing, the clues, if I follow the breadcrumbs, Freddie Kitchens becomes the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Does he call his own plays? Oh, that's a great point. Yes, I believe he does. Uh, and I don't like that. Boy, you just threw a whole wrinkle in what I thought. Why'd you ask that? Well, here the reason I ask is a lot of the young guys that are, I mean, we look at some of the pl- uh, playoff teams right now, the yeah. Rams. He's calling his own plays. Houston, Bill O'Brien calls his own plays. Uh, I think Frank Wright calls his own plays. I could be wrong on that one. But there's a lot of teams right now where the coaches are doing that, where they're calling their own plays on offense. And we we wanted that next Sean McVay. We wanted that next, you know, smart mm-hmm. like offensive genius. And this whole time he's sitting in our quarterback room, yeah, or running back room, or whatever he was. And there he's there, and he knows to take his. It, here's the talent I have, and here's what we're going to do with it. Or 
do you bring in but but see I don't you know Josh brings in a whole different offense his his offense anybody else they hire OC from here or there or whatever they bring in their own offense right um if they hire Bruce Arians, which I don't hear a whole, I don't hear his name out there. I think he ends up going to Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians. But the names they're bringing up and the names they're bringing in, there isn't anybody that lights me up. Mike McCarthy doesn't light me up. No. His offense is stale. It's old West Coast offense that I think, frankly, the rift between he and... Uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers was that Aaron Rodgers didn't think he was creative enough. Right. That it was a stale, old, West Coast, basic offense. So I don't think he's the man. I I really believe it may come down to I think Freddie Kitchens ends up getting the job. As, as the head coach, maybe he calls his own plays. Maybe Greg Williams stays as a defensive coordinator under Freddie Kitchens. Um, But I think that's the reason, the main reason why Josh McDaniel's name isn't number one on the Browns list. And I think you said something there with a couple of the coaches. They bring their own offense. They're bringing an offense. What we saw this year is we don't need a new offense. The offense we had with Freddie Kitchens is what works. Yes. So if this coach goes, no, here's the offense I'm going to run, I really think John Dorsey and and uh, Jimmy Haslam and D. Haslam and anybody else, uh, uh, there's one more and I can't think of his name, um, DePesto or... Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he, they're they're all in that little committee. They're all talking to these guys. They're I all interviewing. I really don't think that Jimmy and D. Haslam I honestly believe they have stepped back from this. I know Dorsey said in his press conference, they told me to run a search committee. If if it was this, the one sign that Jimmy Haslam wasn't in this was the fact that uh, Gase wasn't interviewed. Yeah. Because I think if Jimmy Haslam had his say, Gase would be hired. Yes. And I think he's gone. He's not in this. I don't think he's in this. I think this is John Dorsey's hire. And and I really, truly believe that had they thought they were bringing in Mike McCarthy, had they, had they known that they were bringing in Josh McDaniels, they would have let Freddie Kitchens interview. Right. They would have. I don't think John Dorsey's that cold to say, Okay, here we're gonna we're not gonna let you go out. We're not gonna let you interview, but then we're gonna bring in a coach and make you run his offense. I don't think that's gonna happen. You're right. I think there's already consideration for the fact that Freddie Kitchens needs to be here because of his relationship with Baker, because of the success of the offense. I think Greg Williams, in their mind, is expendable. But and maybe they'll bring in a defensive-minded coach. You know, they're they're interviewing defensive-minded coaches, too. And I wouldn't doubt it's either going to be Freddie Kitchens as a head coach or a defensive-oriented coach that allows Freddie Kitchens to run the offense. Those are my 
and, and you give Freddie Kitchens a big boost. But Freddie Kitchens isn't going anywhere, and he's in the mix somehow. Well, and I know that they said that they didn't want him being hired by another team because they wanted to give whoever they hired as coach a chance to hire him first. Which, I mean, he's the well, hottest. That's, you know, John Dorsey's famous for smoke screens. Well, absolutely, but he's the hottest offensive name out there right now mm, yeah. for the most part because of what he did with Baker. And so I, my thing is, is I don't want to see this guy go. Like, we finally have this really good offensive mind here. Well, they don't want to see him go right. either, or else they would have allowed him to go interview. So, I, I mean, that's a sign right there. I don't think I, – I think John Dorsey – knows that Freddie Kitchens has to stay. Uh, Now, I'm predicting that he will be the head coach. Are you surprised that Eric Bieniemy hasn't been named yet? No. Because I know he's got... It's the same thing as Josh. You you know, if you bring in Eric Bieniemy, you bring in that offense. It's it's almost the same, though, as what Freddie Kitchens was running. But But it's not Freddie Kitchens. It's not his offense. They have enough confidence in in what he has done offensively to keep the momentum going. His right. relationship to Baker right. Mayfield. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to bring anybody in, any young offensive mind, that's going to take away from what Freddie Kitchens is doing. So I, I I just think that's that's the direction they're going. And I I really hope that is. Well, and... I mean, look at the signs. Follow the crumbs. Right. Well, Read the tea leaves. The, the, the problem with the coaching searches is it's about who you know most of the time. Yeah. Because somehow Hugh Jackson keeps getting interviews. Obviously, he got one with the Bengals. Oh, that's just he the Bengals. He got one with uh, uh, Minnesota. Yeah, but that was that was offensive coordinator. But and, he's not going to get it. The only person that's going to hire him as a head coach would be Cincinnati. Right. And I hope they do. I do too. Yeah. And I know they they talked to Eric Bieniemy and they're talking to two of the uh, St. Louis. Assistance. Now it's funny. Josh McDaniels turned that job, yep. that interview down, which is a smart move. Why would he go to Cincinnati? I really think without Marvin there, they are going to go back to the 1990s Bengals, um, the because Mike Brown's going to be the guy. Well, he yeah. still is. Well, uh, Marvin had a voice when it came to personnel, and that's and that was the theme. Marvin, I would take Marvin as a GM any day because he can get players there. He didn't know how to use them, and. He couldn't make halftime adjustments or anything like that. It's again Hugh, and you know, he you know, huge coaching tree there. But you give me Marvin as a. No, I'm not saying I love jo- Dorsey. I'm not saying let's get him up here or anything like that. But I would take Marvin Lewis because I think he had more of his hand in picking the players than Mike Brown let anybody before that. And I think now Mike Brown's going back to going to he's going to be one picking the players. Well, you know? I hope so. I, I, I like it. I mean, that's eliminating one team from the contention of the NFC or right. the AFC North. Right. Uh, I, I just, uh, I'm looking forward to this. I, I actually got in touch with the Browns this week and asked for an interview with somebody in the personnel department or somebody. I even asked for John Dorsey, Dorsey or, or Jimmy Haslam to come on the show today and discuss this. And uh, the email that I got back was obviously. It was kind of like, I think you understand this, that they can't interview. They're not going to do an interview until the person is selected. Right. Uh, but, you know, hopefully we'll get somebody on here after the selection. The Browns will line that up, and we could get somebody on here to actually talk about why. I thought you were trying to get an interview for yourself 
for the head coaching position no, no. up there. No, because that way you say, "Hey, look, no. Freddie, go run your stuff." <laughs> I'd keep, I'd keep both people. If it were me, I'd keep both people there. You'd, you'd keep Greg Williams. Would you be I'd okay keep... with Greg Williams as head coach? I'd be fine Do with Greg think... Williams as head coach. He's obviously was successful, right? Do you think he has redeemed himself enough from the Bounty Gate yes, stuff and yes. all that? That's that's you know, I have an old teammate who is whose brother is. Uh, the defensive coordinator of the San Diego or the Los Angeles Chargers, um, Bradley Gus Bradley Scott Bradley is my old roommate from college, and he and I discuss this stuff all the time. And he hates uh, Greg Williams because of Bounty Gate. Wow, um, and can't let go of it. And I keep saying, Scott, you know, people make mistakes. Let go of it. He was wrong. He said, Well, but if you were one of those people who he was putting bounties on to actually hurt people, and I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that was your career that he was jeopardizing, then there's a problem. And and maybe Browns can't get beyond that. Maybe they can't. Right. I think it's Freddie Kitchens. I'm going to predict right now that Freddie Kitchens will be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns in 2019. And I'd be a okay with that. I would, too.